Hey, welcome to season three of Brian Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. That's right. This episode is going to be about football, particularly fantasy football. Today's human is Pat, a friend of mine who I've known for about 12 or 13 years. We work together, and we've played fantasy football together in the past. This weekend is one of the biggest weekends of fantasy football drafting for the year. And over the last few years, despite not really watching football, my robust hobby of fantasy football has grown. For those of you who are new to it and have never really dabbled in it, I'm going to try to put some links in the show notes on the website to some introductory pieces, maybe some glossaries of terms. Pat and I do the usual Brian Talks to Humans interview, getting to know uh, the guest and their passions, and then we take a deep dive into this year's fantasy football landscape. I'll give you some more life updates in the beginning of the next episode this time around we can just sit back and enjoy two friends talking about their passion for a hobby that is an imaginary game about a real game where millionaires play for billionaires i hope you enjoy the conversation that pat and i had remember to stay tuned after the interview for more content and information okay here's my interview with pat Okay, so welcome to first episode of season three. Uh, I'm here with my friend. Today's human is Pat Verney. Pat, thanks for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, we've known each other for, I don't know, as long as I've been where we work, which is 12, 13 years now. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, fantasy football and stuff like that. But, you know, before I get to it, I, I just want to, you know, get, get to know you a little bit, have our listeners get to know you a little bit. So what's your, what's your background like? Where you, where you come from? What shapes you into who you are today? And when did you really get into sports and stuff? Yeah. Uh, grew up uh, originally in Jersey City and then we moved to Bayonne, Hudson County, um, and, uh, you know, definitely considered that uh, a pretty founding piece of, of who I am. Um, strong family, uh, you know, two, uh, two amazing parents who uh, did everything for me and my two brothers. I'm still extremely close to my two brothers and, uh, you know, very good, uh, you know, family, family central uh, sort of background and, and just fortunate uh, that I had a lot of people kind of looking out for me uh, growing up, certainly made uh, enough mistakes growing up. So you had people who had your back when you made mistakes and people who supported you when you did good things. And uh, that's kind of who I am now. I'm, you know, I'm a pretty happy person and married with, uh, with two, two uh, glorious, but you know, uh, hair pulling out of my head, causing sort of children. They're, they're <laughs> awesome. They are, they're great. Um, and uh, my wife's pretty awesome too. And so uh, pretty happy, family sort of centric uh, guy and sports is has always been a part of my life. I mean, uh, 
I had two older brothers who, who, who played sports and, and I had a father who to this day, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, look up to quite a bit and, and we sports was on in our house. And, uh, you know, I played sports, you know, as, as soon as I was allowed to, to join a team. And, and when you think about the positives of, of what, you know, uh, athletics, you know, is about is, you know, it's about creating a group, uh, you know, a, a unit when sports teams go right, uh, you know, it becomes a, it becomes a family uh, away from your own family and, um, uh, you know, joining teams and stuff early and making friends through athletics is uh, kind of part of my life uh, since I started. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of who I am right now is, is the Al Bundy guy who used to play sports and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had a couple touchdowns at Paul Kai back in the day. And it's like now, uh, now, you know, that's, that's what we do. When I, when I want an escape, when I want some leisure, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough where, you know, the kids are asleep or, or they're awake and, and they share some of the same, uh, you know, things that I enjoy. We're watching sports. We're watching, you know, hockey, football, you know, baseball, basketball. It's, it's on in our house all the time. And um, so that, that's kind of, you know, who I am that, you know, I, I was, a, I was a coach uh, right out of kind of, while I was finishing up college, I was a coach and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, get in with some good people and, loved coaching and, and that coaching uh, connected me with becoming a teacher. So, you know, my profession, even where I am now as a teacher, it kind of stems from sports being a, a center part of, of, mm. of my life. And, uh, you know, I don't forget that. And, and I, I've, you know, coached high school hockey since, since about 2004 uh, when, was when I started. And then uh, I've been a head coach for a lot, you know, 12 of the last 14 years. And, um, you know, I'm taking a break this year, you know, and certainly for the, for the near future uh, because of uh, some family related obligations and uh, I loved it. I love coaching every team I coached and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of who I am. So if I'm not mistaken, and I, I could be wrong. I apologize. Um, it, at least one of your parents is first generation, right? That is correct. That is correct. My dad came uh, to the U S uh, from Ireland when he was, uh, 19 years old, I believe, either 18 or 19. And uh, he's from Offaly County, Ireland. He's, we have a lot of siblings and cousins that are still over there. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a hardworking blue-collar guy. And, and he, I, I think about leaving the country at 19 and just mm. starting a new life, and that just overwhelms me. I'm, I'm still irresponsible at age 39. I can't imagine, uh, you know, picking up and doing what he did. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of wild. Times are different, and, and times are, you know, uh, the same in some ways, I guess. But it's 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 one of these things where, when I look at that, kind of my head shakes. Um, well, one one reason I asked, uh, besides just it, you know, the interesting part of the story and how it shapes you, uh, is that a lot of us inherit our sports teams mm-hmm. from our dads. Yeah. Right. I I was cursed with the Mets, Jets, and Knicks and Rangers right. when I was when I was younger. Uh, haven't been too many happy days, although I don't really watch it uh, anymore. Um, so how did you hook into quote unquote American sports, you know, uh, and, and acquire the teams that, and how did you get specific, how did you land on hockey, I guess, as like the passion? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the wild piece is like when my dad kind of came over to the States, uh, you know, Ireland, you know, sports, sports are a little different, but, but there's certainly a tremendous amount of passion about sport in Ireland. Um, and the Gaelic games, which is, is hurling and, uh, 
you know, Gaelic football, which are kind of, kind of unique sports. Um, and they're amateur sports. Uh, you know, we kind of grew up on, you know, my dad and his brothers, I know they played, you know, hurling and, and all, all sorts of sports and, you know, what we would call soccer, uh, you know, growing up. But when he came to the U S we, we, we still watch, you know, Ireland and, and to this day, we watch Ireland when they're qualifying for, you know, world cup soccer or European and we're following their, their qualification routes and, and we're still talking about those games. So we are still pretty connected in the Irish sports and, and even the Gaelic games up until a few years ago, we were still going to, uh, to, to watch that on a Saturday morning at a place that had a satellite uh, mm-hmm. and everybody roots for their County in Ireland. It's kind of unique mm-hmm. the way sports works uh, in terms of the Gaelic games. Cause you kind of, you play from where you're, you're from. So uh, my dad's Offaly County. That's who we root for. And Offaly's a, you know, it's a rural County in Ireland and it's, it's just unique sports is, is really big and they happen to be really good in hurling, which, which is a, a sport. And they had a, an amazing run for a while, even though they're kind of not the most populous place. And, um, you know, so we, we grew up on that, but he, I mean, he was just, I think that that was a part of his background. So when he came to the States, he was going to get, you know, into anything that was going to be on TV that was, was like sports. And I, I think, you know, he talks to me this day about, He's a Ranger fan, um, like you, and and he he talks about the days of watching Bobby Orr in hockey, and and how you know Bobby Orr to him is is, is still the greatest uh, you know player he has seen, um, and he you know talks about Yankees, and to this day, I mean, when he comes over, that's that's a lot of our topic of conversation, and it's a fun escape. It's a, it's a great escape. It's it's safe to just kind of get lost in rooting for a team, and and because of the you know the color that's on their jersey, and it's it's. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, you know, a terrific escape and, and COVID was like, uh, you know, what, what it's done, you know, certainly to, to my family has been tricky because we experienced a tremendous amount of grief. Uh, we lost uh, grandma who was uh, just an amazing person. And, and um, you know, she was someone who you know, didn't have anything going on. And uh, we, we were, it was unfortunate that we, we were at the, the midst of this when it started. And uh, so we, we dealt with the tragedy of it and, you know, while we're going through all that from a personal standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're trying to cope with it and there's no sports on. And, and that's so silly to even reference, you know, such a tragic and real, real life event and, and real loss. But when your mind needed to escape, you know, COVID kind of had, had shut down all sports. And it, it's, it's, it's crazy with, with everything that's going on now, still in the world, COVID and, and certainly much more it's nice to be able to just get lost in a Yankee game and act like for those two hours that that's the most important thing, you know, watching the last innings four through nine and thinking it's a big deal. It's, it's mm. to me, I, I am aware that it's a silly sort of escape when there's certainly real life stuff going on. Um, but I, I enjoy kind of getting lost in that. Uh, that's, you know, that's silliness that, you know, that I'm going to lose sleep when the Penguins get knocked out of the playoffs, you know, when there's so much more important stuff going on. And, um, and, and that's kind of where we've been, like just having sports kind of get started again. Uh, you know, it was like Orwell said in 1984, like uh, the proles get whipped into a frenzy uh, mm-hmm. through sports. And, and, and that's something that always stuck with me when I read it. Like that's dude, that's me. Like I'm the guy who's like getting fixated on, on, on what's going on in that, because, you know, sometimes I'm out of energy doing a deep dive and in, in, in what's, you know, what's really going on. And, um, you know, to this, to this day, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what I like to get lost in when, when I have a free minute. How'd you land on, um, 
hockey and particularly how did you become a I think I know the story how did you become a Penguins fan uh, both of my older brothers played uh, football and, and baseball in in high school and, and when we happened to move uh, from Jersey City to Bayonne they had always played street hockey so everybody loved hockey in my house uh, I used but, to fucking love street hockey oh man and, and they used to get after it so you know Jersey City street hockey leagues in uh, in in kind of the school that they went to, you know, and, and they used to get after. And I remember like just getting brought down to watch the games. And so I loved hockey, but I couldn't skate. And, and we moved to Bayonne and it's all like kind of happenstance. We moved to Bayonne and then a bunch of my buddies uh, in the new town were, were people who played hockey. They already skated. So I got, I started skating late. And um, uh, so, yeah, I started skating relatively late. Uh, eight years old, which, you know, it's not too late. But uh, like I said, a bunch of my friends had were playing hockey at that point. So the move to Bayonne offered this opportunity to start getting invested in ice hockey on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we probably stay in Jersey City, I don't know. They had their Jersey City organizations uh, where ice hockey existed. But I guess because my brothers didn't play that, they just played street hockey. You know, who knows? So I think that, mm-hmm. that had a lot to do with it. You know, you're an eight-year-old, your buddies are playing – you know, they're playing ice hockey. That was going to be something that, uh, that I was going to start doing and mm-hmm. just kind of happened, you know, and, 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 I, you know, got all invested. I think it was right during the years when I started skating, uh, in Mario Lemieux, it was, it was 1988, 1989. And he was like the, the anti Gretzky. So he was the, the guy who was, you know, always number two. And, and I saw him play actually in a series against Philadelphia. I still remember watching it. Uh, where they actually lost the series, but he had a five-goal game, and it was on national TV, one of the first games I watched. You're an eight-year-old. You're hooked at that point, you know. So the, the first, you know, couple of years, and it was like two years after that, Penguins won back-to-back cups. Yes. But yeah. I, I didn't have to wait long. I, you know, I picked uh, – I caught on the right guy at the right time. And, yeah. And, you know. And didn't you – something about you met Tom Barrasso and he gave yes. you a jersey or something? Or? Yes. No, I, well, I met, I met all the Penguins. My brother – you know, once I started getting really into it, they, they had actually practiced in the Bayonne Ice Rink, which was, you know, a couple blocks from, from where I lived. And, uh, and he, he got me out of school. He, uh, he, like, signed me out. I mean, I guess he was just old enough. So he was 10 years older than me. So he was, like, 19. I was, like, 8. And uh, they practiced in the morning. And it was, it was just awesome because I guess he found out about it late, but there was, like, no one there. So you have a situation where you're, like, you're this 8-year-old kid. You're at the rank. There's no one else there. You're watching all these guys you watched on TV in the last week of practice. And, and they, they were all just amazing guys. Mark Recchi actually gave me a stick. Mark Recchi, who's uh, you know, still very involved in the NHL, now gave me a stick. Mario Lemieux was great to me, signed everything. Paul Coffey was, like, making jokes with me. And they practically brought me in the locker room. I was the only kid down there. They made me feel at home. So mm. I was hooked, you know, eight years old. You get a couple moments like that, you know, that's, that's all you need. So, yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's kind of how it happened. Do you, do you recall a player on for the Rangers in the '80s named John O'Grodnick? Johnny O, yeah, he was a, a yeah. very, very uh, you know, formidable player. I got a stick from Sports him at a oh, Rangers yeah. practice at yeah. Rye Playland, yeah. New York. Yeah. There you go. Those are big moments for kids, man. You know, yeah. it's it's as you know straightforward as it is. It's it's transcending when you're a little kid and you have that connection with a pro athlete and. And your your kids are are into sports too, right? Yeah. I mean, as far as like playing and stuff goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, my four year old, 
he's into it kind of when we, we take him, he's great, you know? Um, but like, you know, how much of it is you kind of pushing them into stuff? I mean, everything now in terms of sports starts so much earlier. It's mm. just, it's almost madness. Uh, you know, how, uh, how quickly it starts. And uh, yeah, I mean, Patrick, the older guy, we've had him on the ice uh, since he can walk practically. And, and uh, Ryan, a little bit later, we got him started, but they, you know, they, they enjoy it. They, they do enjoy it. And, and obviously you're going to read it. You're going to read the pulse. And if it's, if it's not there, I'll pump the brakes, but that's kind of where we're at now. You know, I'm mm-hmm. coaching, a, coaching a, a young eight-year-old team of, of hockey players and it's madness, but it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. And it, we, we should not uh, fail to mention that uh, you, you play in the juniors, right? Yeah. I, mean, I played junior hockey for, for two to three years. Yeah. Three years. I played in, that time it was the Met League, which was pretty good junior league for the area. Uh, you know, played with a bunch of guys who who played Division One hockey, played against a bunch of guys who played D one hockey, and uh, great, it was the highest level hockey I played, and it was a lot of fun. And and uh, if you don't mind talking about it, there was sort of this crossroads, right, where it's like you could go out and like stay in somebody's home in Montana and play. Yeah, well, but, hockey, or, hockey's yeah, no, you, you you hit it. Like hockey's wild. And that it's, it's just not a traditional route from point A to Z. So when you talk about, uh, you know, division one for other sports, it's like, you know, you have a kid who's a really good football player or a basketball player, you know, they're going to be getting coveted as juniors in high school, and then they're going to go directly to the college. And, and that's the way it works for, for most sports. Um, but hockey, you have this kind of, because you're competing against players from all over the world, right? You know, you look at Division One rosters. Uh, certainly, when I was growing up, it was like usually quite a few. Uh, you know, you talk about almost a lot of rosters that were over fifty percent Canadian. Now, you you know, for kids now that are trying to pursue that route, there's a lot of kids from Europe that are also Division One players. So it's a different sport, and the expectation is that after you graduate high school, for the most part, you're going to PG somewhere. So maybe you're going to go to a prep school and play a postgraduate year at a prep school. Maybe you're going to play junior hockey for one year or two years. And um, it's unique because it puts you in a situation where you might have to put kind of that next stage of your life on hold because you're pursuing the hockey dream just to get to a division one uh, opportunity. And uh, you know, I was, it was, it was unique because I had a couple interesting offers um, that were like, Hey, maybe you can go play division three hockey or, or maybe you can, you know, continue to pursue hockey uh, by playing more junior hockey, which was like I graduated. And then before I went to college, play a year, play two years. Um, At the time in 99, New Jersey wasn't like super respected on the kind of United States hockey scale. It was like Minnesota, Massachusetts, Michigan. Those are the the big ones. And I think uh, New Jersey now is is really on the map, uh, fortunately. Um, where there's a lot of kids that are getting there, but uh, like I said, a lot of my a lot of my good friends play Division One hockey, and um, you know they 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 live the dream. So, uh, but yeah, it was I certainly no regrets. And the unique piece of it was when you looked at you know potentially pursuing junior hockey, it was often in unique areas. So whether it was like you know Idaho or or or, or Michigan, some of the teams that you might hook up with were in areas very different from Hudson County. Let's let's say that. Um, so it was. Uh, it was unique for me and wound up going to Rutgers and I didn't play club hockey there. I, you know, I could have, but uh, at that point I focused on academics. Like I 
should have and, and still probably didn't do a good enough job on academics. But, uh, but it was, you know, it was meant to be. And then, then I got right involved in the coaching. So that kind of empty void when playing ended, coaching started, and, it, uh, you know, it all worked out. Right. So let's transition now into our, into our fantasy football conversation. Yeah. yeah let's go. Um, so before we get into anything in detail, if someone off the street said to you off the street, I don't know why they'd be coming in off the street, but like if an alien came down and said, what is fantasy football? No. You know, how would you explain it to somebody who didn't know what it was? I just think with sports in general, we, the people who get lost in sports love the idea of saying, you know, what is the coach doing or what is that player doing? And, and I think where fantasy football gives you this imaginary ability to say, I'm going to start this player over that player. Uh, it's a competitive kind of piece, but it is. It's, it's effect. In effect, you're choosing uh, individual players on different teams to get the best score on a given day. So it gives you that ability where you're saying, man, this guy hasn't been a good quarterback. I'm going to, you know, choose another quarterback on a different team, even though some of the experts might think he's considered a top quarterback. And then you feel good about yourself for the next uh, six days. Like you are a great coach and you made, uh, made this, this wonderful decision. And, and I think it's competition too, right? I mean, I think that's the ultimate piece. So when you have a lot of people who love sports, uh, you know, and you can get after it on a Sunday and, and you can get lost in that same stuff like we talked about before uh, to, to be able to have them say, um, you know, look at this team I put together. I drafted this guy. This guy was my sleeper and, and it worked out. So you're, you're in effect, you're picking players from different teams to get the best individual stats. So you could pick players on six different teams and all six of their NFL teams lose games, but you really don't care because they had the best stats on the day. And turns out that your little fantasy team was, was the best team of the week. You know what I mean? So when did you uh, first get into playing? What, what drew you to it? This, I mean, obviously the competition and stuff that you're talking yeah. about, but, but like, do you remember like your yeah. first league yeah. or whatever? I do. I do very much. So my, my older brothers, uh, you know, again, they, they had like a family league and this is like, you're talking about like 1993, 1993, 1994. So anybody that, knows what fantasy sports is in, in 2020. It's such a different world. It's, a, it's an industry, right? It's a, it's a business. And in 1993, it was not close to that. You might be able to find a couple, you know, fantasy football, <coughs> excuse me, magazines, but it was nothing like it is in, in 2020. And, and it just happened that, you know, I was around them enough when they were, were doing it and kind of like the annoying 12-year-old, annoying 13-year-old. And I was there for drafts just because, again, you know, my brothers and, and their friends kind of took care of me. So it was a spot where the one year, like, we added two teams and they were like, you know, you know, if I was ready to do it. And I think it was like 100 bucks at the time and it was like my own money and it was an investment. And um, Your you know, first I, league was 100 bucks? That explains a lot. That explains a lot. It's a loaded – it's a loaded comment, but it's, but it, but it's on point. Yeah. So I was, so I remember being like 14 and it was like my own money and it was, it was a big deal to me. And uh, it was 1995. And, and I, I specifically remember I took Jerry Rice uh, 1995 with my first pick and late in that draft, I took Isaac Bruce and they both had like historic wide receiver season. Mm-hmm. So you're 14. That's the first team you ever pick. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was a little champion. That's a big deal, yeah. And in, in '95, where I mean, 
we were still using like box scores. So, so, so this is it. So the drafts were in person. You're doing things yeah. on paper, right? Oh yeah. You got to call, we, we called your lineup in at like 1230. You got to do like 30 minutes before the one o'clock game started. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of Thursday games at that point. You know, NFL looked different in 95, but you're calling your lineup in 1230. You know, everyone like is writing stuff down with pen and paper. You're keeping score by pen and paper. And, and this is the piece, like, you know, you look at the phone now, stats are updated by the second, but we would watch like NFL primetime at night. And that might give you a glimpse of what some of the other games were. Because if someone had the NFL ticket in like 95, 96, it was a big deal. First couple of years of it, I remember nobody really had it in our group. And basically by like, you'd watch the games that were local and then NFL primetime would come on at night on ESPN and Chris Berman and Tom Sarns, uh, you know, the, you know, they would do their thing. You know, it was great, great show. Everybody loves it. Uh, you know, you're watching those guys and they would put stats at the bottom, but they wouldn't put stats for every player. So like if you had like a wide receiver who you liked and you started them and they covered the chargers game and it was like Tony Martin was your wide receiver and he wasn't even on, he wasn't even listed and you knew nothing about the game. You're like, All right, I, I can't bank on having a big game from him. But what you would do then, usually I had to do it. I'd walk up, you know, the next morning, be like, you know, Monday morning, and at like seven o'clock, I'd go up. This is before school. I'd go get the newspaper, Daily News, news like the newspaper, whatever it was, and it had the box scores. It was like the first edition, so it would have the box scores of every game that wasn't a Sunday night game. And once in a while, you'd look for a guy like Tony Martin. You'd say, "Oh man, he had seven catches for seventy-eight yards. That's not that bad of a game." And then every once in a while, you'd look and you'd be like, "Damn, he had one for you know five. That stinks. I got a zero. But like." you had to wait for the newspaper. Like the internet wasn't even really up and on it, uh, you know, in 94, 95. So, I mean, it's just, you look at that to now, it's like oh. the, silly, the silly fantasy league yeah. kind of transcends this change in our culture and our time, technology and how we all have the phone and we can hit print on whatever cheat sheets we want. You know, it's, it's just, in, it's insane how scores get updated by the second and it's just, it's crazy. So that's, the start is we got to wait for the daily news. And then sometimes you had to wait for the later edition of the daily news. Like my dad would come home from work. He'd have a paper that had the box score of the Sunday night game in. And then it would be like, okay, we, we wouldn't finish the, the scores for the week sometimes until like Tuesday. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, it's crazy. So think yeah. about that compared to now, I guess we're like, old and like, and like how do you process trades and, Free I mean, agent, we, just, we, we called it into the commissioner at the time and, and uh, you know, rosters, rosters were kept in the notebook. Like there was a master yeah, set yeah. of rosters kept by the commissioner. And, you know, it was just, it's crazy how, how just, uh, just that evolved in, in the last yeah. 25 years. See, I'm older than you by right. only by three years. Right. But uh, I didn't get into it till probably around 2000. Right. When there was some of the first, like web-based things uh, yeah. that, that were going on. So I, I don't, I never had to play pre internet. And when people talk about that, it's just like, it's wild. Yeah. Well, I bust you all the time because you're like this, this data guy. You're like the, you don't, you're not watching all the games and you're just a data guy. I don't you're watch like, any football. Yeah. That's what I mean. So it's I've, wild. I've, and you've I've won boycotted league. the NFL before Kaepernick. Right. I don't watch football. So you, but you've won leagues. We've been in together as the data guy, right? So you, you well, have I don't your call it data guy. I'm not processing air yards and razor and <laughs> you're an you're an analytics nerd. Points above expectation. I just you know, 
I just, yeah, you, uh, you do your research and, and yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, there's so many ways to, I mean, it's, it's a social thing now. Like you said, it's a, it's a business. The NFL is a business and, and these fantasy, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel's are now connected as mm. sponsors to these leagues. So betting yeah. is, is a thing now in, in, in modern sports and uh, kind of crazy how all that has evolved. Yeah. Um, and, and you, know, you look, you go out, it's hard to, if you go out on a Sunday and you look around, there's a lot of people. I won't say like more than 50% of the people are checking their teams. So it's, it's a phenomenon that has like, mm -hmm. it's captured society. Now, now what would you say to the, a person who says like, um, well, like you have to root for a guy to get injured. So the backup that you have plays or, um, you know, you have, you have Joe Montana and he's playing your giants. Right you want him to do well, but that would hurt your team. Like, yeah, no, I, I, like I've known people who've stopped playing fantasy for that very purpose. Right. You know, right. like, like they've said, like, I can't enjoy the games anymore. Like it's, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a situation where my favorite team is playing against somebody or, you know, I, the exact situation that you brought up and, and it's no longer enjoyable or it becomes too much. And I think that, um, you know, my take is I can compartmentalize pretty well. It's like, Hey, I'm going to root for the giants and you know, I'm going to get lost in my favorite team. And uh, you know, whatever happens after that, I'm going to let the chips fall. So uh, I, it's never bothered me. Cause it's like, ah, you know, if I sacrifice fantasy week and the giants get a win, you know, I'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not losing sleep. Mm. Um, rooting for injuries. I mean, everyone that's played fantasy knows there's a huge element of luck that's tied to it. I mean, having the right guys that stay healthy and then benefiting from those injuries that you mentioned. So you know, personally, I, I don't root for injuries because. Well, yeah, that was a bad way of putting it. No, yeah. but you know what I mean? It's, but there are guys that do, right. You know, they, everybody's got that guy in the league who the second someone tears an ACL, they're sending a league wide email like, Oh, look, look, I got the backup running back or, you know, and it's so, you know, my thing is just, it's, it's when you're invested in a league and, and, and get the injury. And again, this is, is actually a real person who snapped their ACL. So it's, you know, it gets a little bit, you get a little bit disconnected uh, from what's going on. And, you know, but the, the reality of it is everyone's been burned by injuries. Everyone's, everyone that's played fantasy football for a while has benefited, uh, you know, from, from an injury. So it's, you know, that's a part of the strategy of, of, of the game. So in a, in a typical season these days, how many leagues are you a part of? So I, I, I gotta be honest, most years, like a little silly, like, like in the range of like seven to, to, to 10 teams. Um, and, uh, you know, when you get married and you get some responsibilities and that kind of has to get reduced, um, understandably. And then, um, you know, this year with COVID, to be honest, you know, my, my personal opinion is I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm, you know, it'd be great if, if they can get through the season and everybody like me can have our escape on a Sunday and, uh, you know, watch, watch their favorite players and their favorite teams. But uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic that it's actually going to happen because you have, you look at what baseball has kind of set as the pattern and you have rosters that are 25 to 30 players. Um, you know, baseball didn't bubble like hockey and basketball did. And again, that's because hockey and basketball were in the playoff phase, the last phase of the season. So it made sense for them to, to bubble. Baseball didn't. And, you know, baseball's had a number of issues. Uh, yeah you know, you know, the schedule imbalances. So football is just different from baseball. You can't do double headers. You know, if you have games getting canceled by weeks, it's going to wreak havoc yeah. on every mm -hmm. fantasy. Mm -hmm. So 
people that are investing yeah. money in this, you know, you, you don't want to just be, you know, playing the lottery with a $500 league or a $200 league or a $100 league. So uh, I've cut back for this year to actually three leagues. I'm only in three leagues. Okay. So uh, that's like a, probably like a 20 year low for me. And that, and that's mostly due to, to just COVID. I'm, I'm not fully mm-hmm. locked on it working out. You have rosters of 60 players is, is everyone going to be able to? And it's so contact, it? right? Uh, like, I mean, yeah. alignment, just like uh, breathing just, spit in each like, other's face. And well, uh, so, so absolutely. You know, the, the game itself, um, you know, is, is the, it'll certainly spread if there are players that have it. And, and again, think for silly fantasy purposes, you know, on a Thursday or a Friday, if, if a team or a player is declared to have COVID, how's the NFL going to handle that? You know yeah. I mean? They're, they're mm-hmm. not bubbling 60 players and, and again, you, and you see with baseball, these are guys that are pro athletes, not necessarily bad guys or, or anything, but you know, the, the Indians pitchers, you know, uh, they, they kind of violated some stuff, you know, in terms of, of rules in the bubble. So, you know, with uh, police and Clevenger, the base uh, of the Indians for baseball, um, you know, that happened. You've had a number of guys get COVID, yeah. um, you know, and then teams transferring COVID in baseball from one team to another. Yeah. Baseball's had crazy schedule imbalances, uh, you know, right now. And double headers might make it possible that they, they still pull it off. But in the NFL, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Friday and you, you know, you have three running backs, uh, and two games get canceled. You lose those three running backs. Like what's going to happen? Like every league this year has to have a contingency plan for those mm-hmm. sort of situations. Because what if, the, what if the season doesn't complete uh, and only it ends after week six? What if, you're, you're, you, you know, you, you banked on bye weeks to have, I'm going to use these two running backs for week six. And then there's a COVID cancellation for week six. And you find out on a Friday where you can't make any trades. So I think more than, more than ever, there's got to be a lot of flexibility this year yeah. from, for, from you, a rule standpoint. Yeah. You hear, uh, you hear about a lot of people doing like a, uh, if we don't make 11 weeks, we're not going to do any payouts or right. like, having extra IR slots for injured players because COVID you can put COVID players on the IR and a lot of these fantasy leagues having extra bench spots and that kind of thing. But there's going to be some stuff you're just going to have to like play by ear, deal with it as it comes, you know, anybody who's doing it this year just has to expect that it's going to be more of a crapshoot than it normally is. And luck always plays a part, but now you're going to be dealing with not just injuries. You're going to be dealing with team cancellations. I might have a wide receiver who's fine, who's not sick, but his team's game just got canceled mm-hmm. on a mm-hmm. Thursday and I'm banking on using him on a Sunday. So I'm hoping it gets worked and, and I'm getting lost in the draft, you know, for an hour or two and having so much fun doing the draft, probably mm-hmm. the most fun part, right. Of the, of the, of the whole season and uh, you know, hoping that it works out, but based on the fact that I'm skeptical, they can pull it off uh, less leagues than I've, than I've done. Not to, that's not to say I haven't you know done research for the leagues. I mean, the last week or two I've been, Really mm-hmm. kind of getting the itch and getting into it and mm-hmm. had a moment, you know? So bit. we're going to get into that research a, a little bit. Uh, like on a scale of one to 10, where one is a guy who, or gal, who plays in a home league, some coworkers and some friends, you know, they're a Steelers fan. They draft Ben Roethlisberger in the fifth round because right. they're a Steelers fan. Say that's a one. And say like a 10 is some of these guys crunching analytics with like five podcasts about, you know, fantasy football and, and that sort of thing. Say that's a 10, right? right? 
where would you put yourself along that spectrum? You think? I'm I'm pretty intense about it, but but again, it's with with, with what you're referencing. You know, it, it, you need a lot of time, and and that's yeah. unfortunately not something uh, that that I have because there's just there's priorities in life that you're gonna obviously put ahead. So listen, I'm checking. You know, there's daily websites you can check for updates, and mm-hmm. you, now now there's there's just this like this dearth of resources. There's there's so many websites that you can use as pay sites where if you don't have that time, you can just rely on them to kind of mm-hmm. do the work. So there's hundreds of, you know, reputable fantasy websites you can just use and spend whatever, 40 bucks for a season pass, and they're going to make your decisions for you, help you with the draft and stuff. So I, I'm probably, I would say I'm still like a seven or an eight. I'm, I'm pretty into it, but uh, probably a decade ago, I was probably like even more intense about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get older, right? Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, the priorities change. And, and I think, uh, where, where I am now is, is, uh, this is probably this year, you know, because of some of those COVID concerns more than ever, um, this is, uh, probably a year where I've haven't done a ton of research and I've just kind of picked up the uh, mm-hmm. computer the last week or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's essentially, you know, we talked about me not watching the, the games at all. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm at an advantage because right, right. I'm getting all that, what you see on the field filtered through people who analyze it right. on the podcasts and the websites and the articles and that sort of thing. So like my eyes watching a game, don't fuck with me. Right. I just listen to the analysis, you know? Uh, and there is a lot out there, a lot more than uh-huh. there was in 1995. That's, yeah. that's for sure. And I'm not going to tell you how many leagues I'm in this year. Cause if seven to 10 is silly, yeah. then I'm ridiculous. Um, You're getting after it. I like it. Yeah. But you know, but First of all, I'm an addict, right? So I find something I like and I, and I really dig into it, you know? And secondly, like, I'm in a completely different position from you. It's just me and the dogs, right? right. Like, right. I, can, I can listen to podcasts for hours on a weekend. Right. You know, right. I can, I would, like, last night I was in 10 different slow drafts at once. Right. That's, that's, right. That's, like, I just, I can do that. <laughs> you know? well, it also goes back to what we talked about, about how, like, fantasy football has grown so much. There's so many different variations that you can mm-hmm. do like uh up until a couple of years ago um i had never done an auction draft and then i did an auction draft and i'm like oh this is the greatest thing ever you're, you're not locked to your draft position you, you know you can uh you know have a have a, ta- a few players targeted you can go out and you can get them and then you got to adjust in the rest of your ways uh super i told you this year you know super flex the, your, your league is one of the first super flex i've ever done and it's so there's so many different ways uh, dynasties you know uh, it's it's insane keeper leagues. It's it's there's it so many sounds, players, right? and it sounds like a different language when you're talking to people. Like if I, if you were in a point two PPC point five yeah, PPR yeah. superflex tight end premium twelve teamer, would you and and like if you don't know like that's no, that's a different no language. Doubt. It's yeah. it's a niche, man. It's a niche. It's definitely it's definitely um you know it's 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 it, it you're right. Some of these conversations it's it sounds like it's. It is. It's different verbiage, and uh, like 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 I said to you this year. So someone who's been involved in it as long as I have, first time I ever did, uh, you know, a superflex league is is a league that uh that you did, and that's kind of weird, you know. I mean, because there's so many options and uh, ways you can get involved in it now. But and it's and it's awesome. It's exciting. It's something new, you know. Yeah. So um, let's get into uh, some of the some of the things that you are looking at this season. Uh, generally, uh, we'll, 
I'm fading even trying to be in leagues that have kickers and defense. But right. um, so like let's that. just stick to what people care about. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. Take a position. Give me a couple guys that you think you're higher on than the market seems to be. Uh, quarterback, if, if we're starting there, the two guys that I, that I really like are, are, are Goff, Jared Goff. He's, he's kind of going off board as like QB 15, like the 15th guy taken off the board. And I just look at McVay as a coach. You know, two years ago, the Rams were like the darling offensive you know, McVay's the, the new wonder guy, young coach, and, and Goff was a huge part of it. And, and last year, I, you know, he sort of took a step back, but he, he still threw for like over 4,500 yards. So, uh, you know, they, they lost, you know, uh, Cooks, who was one of the top three receivers, but uh, they have a tight end who kind of developed in, in Higby. And, and again, it's just if, if you think 4,600 yards passing is a bad year, you know, again, depending on what your league is, right? You know, you got to know what your league is what the format is. Uh, I think Goff offers uh, better value than being the 15th quarterback on the board. And I also, I, I told you this, I'm all in on Arizona. Kyler Murray is to me is, is, is one of the more exciting players to, to watch. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we, we get lost in that. Oh, he's you know, mobile. He, he's a really great passer. Um, and, you know, last year he had some terrific numbers uh, throwing the ball in terms of, in terms of what he did, 3,700, yards I think he had passing you know as a, a rookie quarterback he's with another coach who you know you hear is is an offensive guru in Queensbury they're going to run up tempo he's going to run a lot of plays um and you know he so so Murray and, I, and again some some people will be taking Murray as a third quarterback off the board and and, and that's the high but I've, I've seen him go as like the ninth or, or eighth quarterback taken and that's crazy to me I think he's he's clearly three to me he might even be two uh, to me. So I'm, I'm just high on Arizona and really high on him in general. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be the homer right now. Like, like Dan, Daniel Jones. I think that if you looked at his numbers in the last eight games of the year, uh, you know, he was, he was top 10 in, in most every passing number you'd want. Mm-hmm. The Giants defense is going to be, is going to be really rough this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, and that's beautiful for a fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if every game the Giants are playing, they're, they're giving up. 20 to, to, to 40 points, you know, Jones is going to have a lot of opportunities to pass for garbage yards. And I think, again, he's like listed in some spots, 12 through 18 as a QB. And, and I like him as a, as a starter in a 10 team league. So those are the three guys I like. The one guy I'm kind of staying away from is, is Josh Allen. Yeah, me too. And, and I just, I just, I, you know, again, I, I look at Josh Allen as like a boomer bust guy, you know, he's going to, he's going to do some things with his legs and he's going to, he's got a great arm, you know, he can throw the ball downfield, but, uh, you know, from a week-to-week standpoint, is that a guy that I want to start? And I think he only had like 3,000 yards passing. And in modern NFL, if you're not throwing for like 3,500, that's, that's, not, that's not real good in the modern passing NFL. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people are excited that Stefan Diggs got added to the Bills. But I, I look at uh, Allen as a boomer bust guy, and I, and I, and I think they're going to, you know, run the ball uh, a little bit. It's an also terrible offensive line. Uh, that the Bills have in terms of pass blocking. So staying away from Josh Allen in most leagues, um, you know, that's quarterbacks, running backs. Uh, oh, one, one little right. nugget, one little nugget on quarterbacks on, on Daniel Jones. If you don't land him in a league and you want him, he's got a brutal early schedule. Right. Wait for him to do poorly in those first few weeks. Buy low from the, from the person who has. Him. Uh, of course. I mean, it's that's, and that, and that's like, if, if you're in an intense league 
and you're in a league where there's lots of trades, you should be going through the rosters on every team and saying, who's a good buy low, who's a good buy low right now? Who, who is a good sell high right now on my roster? And that's, I mean, that's kind of fantasy one-on-one, but if, if you're not doing that in, in an intense league where there's a lot of trades, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to miss out on those opportunities you just mentioned. So, and you'll be proud of me. I took, uh, I took Murray and the shocker, uh, fourth pick overall in a dynasty startup. Yeah. I had no problems with that. The other I day. Just, yeah. I'm all in on him. I think he's, he's going to be a special player. When so it's, I, I love your pre-draft trades. That's right. That's right. <laughs> my when you did the pre-draft trades in, in, in a league where you're just trading picks based on value, now, now you're, you're coming at me, you know, on a level that I can respect, but that's yeah. something I love to do in, in some of the bigger leagues that I'm in. You know, I traded, I traded back a little bit and I wanted to really load up on picks in rounds three through five. Right. And I didn't quite make the number of, uh, the number of moves that I wanted to, to get the number of picks that I wanted to. Right, so right. I, I don't want to say that it failed, but it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, well, it's a risk. It's a risk. I've, yeah. I've it's paid off sometimes, and it yeah. and it and it hasn't paid off sometimes. So, uh, you know, it's 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 always a risk. You know, I've I've traded where I've traded to get two of the top seven picks overall, where I've given up a lot of that middle value, and I've I've also traded where I think one year I didn't pick until like early third round, but I had like a, a ridiculous amount of picks in a redraft yeah. rounds three and four, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but. It's all based off your rankings. You're looking at what, where you see value, and, and you're looking at where others might see value you don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I love that you did that this year. So running backs, we have a situation this year where a lot of folks are saying it's, it's top-heavy. Then they get kind of icky in that, like, uh, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell kind of mm-hmm. range. And then there's – some value and some good upside plays later on. So who are a couple guys in the running backs that you are higher on? It seems than some other folks are. Well, you're, you're, you're referencing like, you know, this you know, and NFL, the running back has really become a position that's, you know, it's been a turnstile, right? It's like these guys get, you know, ground by, by these organizations for, for their four years of their prime. And, and sometimes they're not a special player anymore. And, you know, so young running backs are always going to have value, uh, it's a position, you know, guys can bounce out of college and, and be great right off the bat. But my, I mean, the first running back that I really like is a guy who's anti that kind of school of thought because everybody knows the Colts offensive line is, is one of the best in the game. And, um, you know, they drafted a kid who was unbelievable in college in Taylor. And, you know, I remember watching him on Saturday and, you know, playing, playing in Wisconsin where, you know, had some monster, monster games. Um, but I think Marlon Mack is really undervalued right now. I think he's going off the board as between 30th and 40th running back. And I, I want to say his numbers the last two years are really good. If you look at rushing yards per game, so you want to attribute, attribute that to the offensive line. I think he had close to 1,000 yards two years ago in only 12 games. And he had, you know, close to 1,100 yards in only 14 games last year. I just, he's only 24 years old. I, I, he's, he's also, Is he? Okay. Yeah, I thought it was older. Young. So yeah. he's also on a contract year. So from the Colts perspective, you know, we have this great offensive line. We drafted this kid who's going to be a great running back. There's no question about that. Taylor, Taylor's the goods. But Mac's really good, you know. So, so why would you not use him on, on his contract year, you know, where you're going to run him, you're going to get some more, you know, tread on his tires uh, before he becomes a free agent. I just think he's going to be a big – 
part of their offense because I think he's really talented. It's a really good offensive line, and and I think Taylor's good as well. But I, I just I don't think that's going to just become a, a Taylor's the one and, and Max the two. Max just been really good as as an NFL player. Um, so I, that's one where it's like anti the young running back. Um, the the one where and I think every like again if you go on any fantasy guru site. The guy that everybody loves right now is Zach Moss. And, and, and that's because Singletary's had kind of a rough camp. He's got some fumbling issues. And um, it, it seems like, uh, you know, Moss is really going to have an opportunity. And, and, again, that's a guy of college football fans. You watch him at Utah. He was, you know, a monster between the tackles, you know, physical running back. I am in the first-class car of the Zach Moss hype train. Let's go. Let's go. And I just – I think that, again, you look at – situation in Buffalo where I think they, they, they're going to want to run the ball, um, you know, quite a bit. He, he's super undervalued. Like he's going a lot later than Singletary in every draft. And I just don't know that he should. He's bigger. So he's, he's faster. He's a better receiver. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to, at some point he's going to been fumbling in camps, man. Right. So you have these, these coaches who, who know turnovers are, are everything in modern NFL and he's struggling holding on to the ball. So, uh, all signs pointing up. I'm Moss. I'm, I'm all in on him. Um, the, gu- the guys that I, I'm kind of against, it's, it's nothing on their talent. I actually think the two guys that I'm staying away from are talented. You know, running backs in the NFL are all talented. Um, but uh, are, are Miles Sanders. And, and Miles Sanders got a lot of carries the last, you know, uh, seven or eight games of the year last year. Um, and started to look like he was becoming – the premier guy he's pretty much by himself now in philly because boston scott is not really a traditional running back that would be able to take the workload so sanders he's going as high as like the ninth running back eighth running back in some leagues and i'm staying away from him the big reason why i'm staying away from him he's he's nicked up already he's already got a hamstring injury and doug peterson's a guy who has spread his touches to running backs Mm -hmm. uh in a way that i don't i just don't know if sanders is gonna uh, not of any fault of his own, is he going to get enough touches to get into that top five running back range where some people are hoping he gets. So I'm staying away from Sanders based on where he's being drafted. And then the other guy, similar situation is Aaron Jones, who, you know, I certainly I've had him last two years and uh, I've, I've wanted him to get the ball more in green Bay, but uh, you know, LaFleur is another coach who, who just wants to keep, running backs fresh. And that's, you know, that's the trend now. If you look at what San Francisco did last year, uh, it was amazing how, you know, four running backs in games would get, uh, you know, five carries, you know, even Jeff Wilson, who was like their fourth running back, they found a role for him in short distance. And, and, and all three of those guys and Coleman, uh, Mostert and Breida were, were getting touches for the 49ers. So you have a lot of these teams that will spread it out. And I just think the Packers are one of those teams and they drafted AJ Dillon, yeah. You know, big, powerful runner. So uh, to me, Aaron Jones last year, he, he would have good series, good series. And Jamal Williams would come in. And, and that's part of what LaFleur thought, you know, it's going to keep fresh. Plus, you uh, got to figure some negative regression in the touchdown numbers. Yeah, well, I, I would think Rogers would back, bounce back a little bit. He's probably got a little something to prove. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I again, it's not a fault of, of either Jones or Sanders. It's a situation Mm-hmm. That kind of has me fading them a little bit uh, more this year than, mm-hmm. than than probably other people. Now, I'm, I'm a Sanders guy, and I, I probably was more of a Sanders guy, you know, before they tweaked the hammy. Um, and he is a classic example of, of what I fall into the trap of with fantasy football, and that's 
confirmation bias. The takes out there from the analysts that I agree with, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then I just kind of brush aside the ones that are like, right. you know, yeah. punching holes in the, in the argument for Sanders. Well, you know? well he's, he's a skilled guy and he like, he, he, he comes from a spot in college where he didn't get a ton of, you know, reps. So he's fresh and he was good. I mean, it's not to say he wasn't good last year. He, he was explosive in some spots. He caught the ball out of the backfield in some spots and, and, and you saw like an improvement on numbers. He got volume towards the end of the year. So I get why there's excitement. I just, I, I you know, I just, I look at Philadelphia as a, as a tricky team where when they're at their best, there's a lot of guys getting touches. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, and again, then you, you mix in a hamstring. He's just not a guy that I'm in, I'm in love with, with, with having on my rosters. He's definitely a, a guy who can accelerate and you know, soft muscle injuries are dangerous for, for, for guys that, that, that can you know, have some giddy up. So I think, He's a guy I'm, I'm kind of staying away from mm-hmm. uh, at running back. And, again, I'm with you. I'm, I'm all for taking a chance on a lot of, lot of the kids who, who, who got drafted. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of them. Um, Even if we have this weird season where there's no preseason games and mini camps right. and things like that, it, you, you're, you're still saying go with some of these rookies. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, at a certain point, like, right, you know, I mean, if it comes down to taking a weak handcuff – or taking a rookie who might be third on the depth chart, but has some, you know, breakaway potential. I'm always going to kind of swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you have a, a few, a few, you know, floor yeah. aces in place in the first couple of rounds, you know? Yeah, um, that's, so, that's what you're going to win. You're going to win when you hit the home run in, in round six through 12, right? You know I mean? Uh, you know, sometimes it, it might make sense to, to get a, you know, a backup running back, you know, like, okay, I got to get, you know, Wayne Goldman because I got Saquon, you know, I don't know, you know, it's nothing against Goldman, but is, is he going to get a, a volume of touches that's going to be anywhere near Saquon, who's this, you know, generational player, or is it worth, you know, maybe rolling the dice and, and taking someone like Gibson, uh, you know, Washington, where there might be some opportunity there, you know, mm-hmm. Peterson's getting a little bit older and, and, you know, who knows? Right now, he's not projecting to be a guy who out of the gate's going to get a lot of touches in Washington. By week five, could he show that he's the youngest and the freshest running back there? Yeah, I mean, that could, that could happen. So there's your okay. swing. So speaking of Washington, we're, that's going to be a segue into receivers because I'm going I'm to be interested to see how you feel about one, one, of, one of the my guys uh, in the receiver core. So the, thing, the story with receivers this year is people are saying – you know, there's a lot of value, tremendous value rounds yeah. three through five. Yep. You know, um, there's this huge tier of receivers that like between say, I don't know, 15 and 25 yep. that are just like flip a coin. Yep. They're all good choices. Can't go wrong. Um, so a couple guys you're higher on than, than some other folks. And then yeah, it's, you know, it's great that like without even planning this, like you, you just hit on the guys that I like. And then the guys that I don't like, and they're in that, that kind of tier um, guy that I'm all about is, and I, I've, I'm in two leagues right now with, with one more to draft. And, and again, I think I could probably wind up adding one just because the conversation, you know, Ford, you got, you got the blood flowing, but it's Cortland Sutton of Denver. When you mm-hmm. talk about what, what he has as, you know, he's, he's like six, he's over six three. I think he's, He's big 200 pound guy. And, and he, he was awesome last year. He had, you know, 1100 receiving yards, uh, you know, a second year receiver. So all the signs of like 
when do you want to get DeAndre Hopkins before he has that monster DeAndre Hopkins year? Like I look at Sutton, like, you know, like all the guys that drafted Hopkins the year where he broke out and he was a league winner. I look at Sutton as that guy. And I think the one one piece that people might be pushing back on is when Locke took over last year, the last six games of the year, Sutton's numbers weren't great, but they they weren't terrible. And, And I think, his target volume was through the roof. So Locke was throwing him the ball a lot. I think there might be some people fading Sutton because of Locke, and, and I'm just not there. I think Locke will be effective enough uh, as a quarterback to, to, uh, to, to give Sutton some top 10 wide receiver numbers. So I'm all in on Sutton. He's wide receiver 22 hmm. off the uh, ADP, and I just think that's insane. I'll be taking him probably in that, like, 10 I through 16. I just minutes. heard somebody today make a, make a Hopkins comp. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's the next. You know how everybody's the next something. Yeah, he said he's the next. Uh, I mean, he, and and some of it. I mean, whatever. We get we get caught. You know, we're not we're not football experts, but we get caught in some of the things, some of the catches he made last year. He just he seems like he's he can do everything that you'd want from from a wide receiver. So I'm I'm all in on him, um, and I think I'm all in on AJ Brown. But everyone's all in on AJ Brown. So that's the, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah. But, but go ahead. Give me the case I mean, for well, why, he's, why he's, he's, he's kind of going off the board, you know, as I think between 11 and 18 wide receivers. And, mm-hmm. and again, I see him towards that, like after those top eight guys off the board, seven guys off the board, Sutton and Brown are two guys I'm targeting. I don't want to chase them too early but I don't want to get kind of sniped by someone who also has them high. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I got to overpay by taking one of those two guys, I think, I think they could be league winners when it's all said and done. Uh, Brown's just so good after the catch. He's like this next level guy is like, uh, it reminds me of like an even more talented version of Anquan Bolden after the catch. And that guy was amazing after the catch, but he, he all, his numbers with when Tannehill took over for Tennessee are just, outrageous you know for anybody that's like aj brown i don't know a second year guy you know he put amazing numbers as a first year you know pro and and then you look at what he did with Tannehill and the quarterback is it's insane if you look at the game logs from last year it's out of control so he's all in on aj brown but i my, my feel is that a lot of people are so i feel like that's not i also like robert woods um you know i mentioned before that i'm copy trees yeah I'm buying, here it is i'm buying on goff and i'm buying on woods uh, he's not 30 years old yet. Um, no more Brandon Cooks there. And again, same same sort of scenario as as AJ Brown. If you look at the last six games of the year, uh, Woods' numbers were out of control. So he's not he's not going to kill you all the time going down the field. He has the potential to catch a 40 yard touchdown, but um, he's just a good route runner and he's a good player. So I think yeah. I think he'll he's a safe bet to lead the Rams in targets. You know, Goff's thrown for 4,500 plus the last two years. You know, how is he not going to get? 1,200 yards if he stays healthy. I like him a lot. And, and again, he's going as low as the 20, 22nd, 23rd wide receiver, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and I like him. The two guys I'm fading, and, and one's just like – he's like that dude that you fade every year, and it's probably not fair because he's, uh, you know, certainly produced. But uh, I just think DK Metcalf's arrows going up and, and Tyler Lockett is going to have a tougher time mm-hmm. producing the numbers he's produced. Uh, again, Seattle's another team. They're, they're going to spread the ball when they can. Um, and I just kind of feel like sometimes Lockett's touchdown dependent and he's great. He's excellent. And we, Wilson certainly trusts him, uh, inside the 10 yard line to get open. He's, uh, you know, uh, certainly a great player at doing that, but I'm kind of fading Lockett. And, and then the other guy is, is Adam Thielen, uh, Minnesota. And I just think a lot of people are, are excited about him because 
Diggs is no longer there. Uh, but for me, you know, he had a lot of injury issues last year. He's getting to be on that wrong side of 30 years old. And I just I, – I look at that Minnesota team ultimately with, with Zimmer as being a team that wants to run the ball if they can. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just – I just I don't see Thielen – uh, having a top 10 wide receiver year. Uh, you know, and I know some people are drafting him, you know, as a, as a 10th or, or 12th wide receiver off the board. So yeah. I'm staying away from him and lock it. Uh-huh. I've um, gone, I've gone up and down on Thielen throughout the summer. Right. Uh, I had him as low as I think 20 right. and as high as 10 over the summer. I think I got him now at like 13, something like that. I, I um, and again, this, it, and that's, it's purely a volume. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know the the uh, volume argument for me at least yeah. that, would, that would keep him even that high. To tell you the truth, right. he's not somebody that like you get excited about. Yeah, and and but again, I, you can look at Diggs one of two ways, right? You know, Diggs is this guy who can get down the field, and you know it, when you have to game plan against you know, Thielen's a great player too, but we have to game plan against these two guys. Uh, you know, it, it's going to help them uh, on a lot of games, and I just think now that you take Diggs out of the equation. I'm not sure the rest of the team. Irv Smith's a young tight end who's probably would say his arrow's going up. So I, I just – I don't know. And, again, I, I just think if it was up to Minnesota to run a game plan they want to win, they're going to want to win, win games with their defense. They're going to want to run the ball effectively. And, and if game script doesn't work out where they're going to be thrown a lot, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that Thielen's numbers get to – And as far as uh, – I'm sorry. As far as Lockett goes, I, st- I still think that um, – if they, if, you know, we, we have this like let Russ cook thing, right? Like I think if, if they're going to commit to being a little looser and pass a little bit more, I think they can support great numbers for Lockett and Metcalf until today. Gordon. When when they signed Josh Gordon. And then it's like, then it's like, who's he going to eat into of those two more I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm no football expert, but like, I kind of feel like it affects Lockett more. What do you think? Well, I, I, look, at it, I look at it this way. You know, Josh Gordon is, is a question mark. He's like, he's a dice roll. He's not even reinstated yet, I think. The oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so there's some, there's some question marks with him. His talent has always been great. Although last year, kind of with New England, he looked more pedestrian than he had uh, when he played. Um, so... I, you know, I think it's, it's a, I mean, I would, if I'm a GM, I'm rolling the dice on, on Josh Gordon, as long as, you know, I think he can, you know, stay on the field. You know, that's really always the question with him. If, if he can stay on the field, he's certainly worth uh, taking a shot on for, for a GM. Um, but uh, I, I don't, I don't even think it's based on Josh Gordon that I'm down on Lockett. And, and again, you, you have to know what you are. You just get these certain guys where you're like every year, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and he's certainly been good for a lot of years. I just – I look at that Seattle team as sometimes they don't, they don't pass the ball effectively until the fourth quarter. And then suddenly Wilson blows up. He's this amazing fantasy quarterback where he'll, he'll have like eight or nine points and you're playing someone that's got Russell, Russell Wilson. And then suddenly you look at it at the end of the game, you're like, whoa, Seahawks came back. They won that game. And Russell Wilson got a 36. He's done that so many times. And mm-hmm. Lockett's the guy he's looking for when he does that. So uh, that one might be personal a little bit with me and Lockett. And there's probably – I, I, I do think he's touchdown dependent, though. Um, and, and I just – I don't know. I just – it's Wilson loves him short. So, I, I, that's – that one I feel less confident about, uh, you know, on the fade than Thielen. But, uh, but yeah, well, that – And one thing that I mentioned – I'm sorry. That whole range, sorry. No, that whole range of wide receivers 
Uh, you know, how, how you know, everyone's value chart is going to look different, whether it's 12 to 24, there's, there's so many ways you can kind of break all those guys down. And, yeah. And what I, what I had said to somebody the other day, if, if you're like me and you listen to enough of these podcasts and read enough of these articles, everybody's going to smash and everybody's a fade. Yeah. That's you know? it. So it's so like, you just got to pick right? your, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think makes sense to you? Um, before we get into tight ends, what do you think of my guy, Scary Terry? He's, he's, I, mean, I think he's terrific. I think, is, is, is he going, you know, individual talent, plus, 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 skilled guys. He's, he's, ceiling is so high for that guy. Uh, you know, I, do I have questions about Haskins? Yeah, a little bit. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you got to know they, they're, they're college guys, you know, together. Is, is that something that's going to, Help Haskins? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's not about Haskins much. As I want to see. I want to see that Redskins team, uh, you know, be able to produce uh, the Washington team. football team. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well played, right? Right on cue. Softball, hit it out of the park. Uh, hey, yeah. you know, you know, it's, you know, it's habit. It's habit, right? It's, it's habit. habit. People make the mistake all the time. And uh, you know, you you look at it, and you start to look at. What he did last year, again, as a young receiver, he was like, take him the 20th round, take him the 23rd round last year. If you even took him, you know, he was free agent in some league. Guy was amazing, you know, with a weird quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Haskins is a guy who certainly has a lot of potential and upside. We'll, we'll see. Well, does he de- develop into a top-level quarterback? I don't know. But he, M- McLaurin, if it was just a, a situation where, you know, he was dropped in somewhere else where you felt – like it's a passing situation where you don't have to worry. I'd be all in on him, and and mm-hmm. I still I, I still will take him because it's not to say Haskins can't get there. I think he, he probably can, but uh, right now I want to I want to see how that looks out of the gate for the first four or five weeks in Washington. Okay, time for tight ends. Now this one over the summer, I've done the most shuffling in my ranks. The story that I'm telling myself is there's after the first four. Take them, throw them up in the air, see where they land, and basically from like you know five, six to like I don't know twenty. It's like I feel like there's a lot of good ones, right? There's a lot of guys. Sometimes almost a crapshoot, you know. Well, like and, yeah, and yeah. picking the next breakout one is like, you know, it's tough. Well, I think there's been years where you're like, man, the, the eighth through twelfth tight end is like weak and you're like, man, I kind of want to get maybe those, one of those first seven guys. Um, but I don't think that's the case this year. I think like six through 14, they're all guys that are startable tight ends with upside that you feel kind of pretty good about. I, I would just say this, that, and it's always a strategy of mine that's worked sometimes and sometimes it's killed me. But this year, I, I think, you know, you said four, I want to get Kittle or Kelsey. And then I feel like there's a drop. I'm not ready to say, you know, Ertz is there on that level with those two. You know, Gronk's going to be a question mark. You know, he's a guy I've had so many years in so many leagues. But I want to get Kelsey or Kittle in a tight end mandatory league where you have to start somebody every, every week. Um, I'm, I'm going to take Kittle or Kelsey, you know, mid-second round sometimes because I just mm-hmm. think it's such an advantage at that position. I think they're the guys who are – Safe bets, they play in 16 games to get 1,000 yards. 
at positions where, you know, you may only have three guys get a thousand yards. I just, Mm -hmm. if Kittle or Kelsey play 16 games, I don't see how they don't put up, you know, over a thousand yard seasons at a position where it's not going to happen. So I'm just advantage is something to think about, right? Like, you know, and, and there's a couple arguments, you know, that, that you hear. One of them is if you're in a small league, like a 10 teamer, since if everybody's going to have a generally a good quarterback or a good tight end, right. Then go get the great ones early. Then, you know, then, then, and, and Kittle, I think is better than Kelsey this year. I think between the receivers being banged up in, um, in San Francisco and just the, the, the mouths to feed in Kansas city, the, there's just a lot of factors. I think Kittle is going to have a huge year this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. And and I'll even argue that like, when you look at that next group of tight ends, I just, I see like Ertz having more regression to the, like last year he had 900 yards year before that, I think it was 1100. I think he's more of a 900 yard type of guy. And again, it's not, I just think Philly will spread the ball if they can. And like, I, I, so I think that's the advantage. If you can get those, one of those two guys to me, it's an advantage in a league where tight ends mandatory, but you, you know that not every league kind of has that situation where you have to start a tight end. They lump them together with the wide receivers. Um, but I'm, I'm going hard after, after both of those two guys second round. But again, you know, we, we all have our personal yeah. you know, things when it comes to fantasy. I think I do that every year where I, where I want to get the top tight end or one of the top tight ends. I chase Gronk where I've had success chasing Gronk early and it's probably hurt me. Um, so let's say, let's say you don't get one of the top two. You don't want to spend a fourth or a fifth on Ertz no. or Andrews, right? Okay. Yeah. So who, who among like that, that big swath of potential, you know, breakout wide uh, tight ends, who's one or two that you're like, I think it's their year. Yeah. I mean, I'm waiting. I think that's, if I, if I give you my honest answer, it's probably because I would say I'm not in love with one particular, but I'm also, I'm not fading any of those guys. A lot of them have strong arguments to say they're going to move forward or their arrow is going to go up. And um, I, I would, I would say this, if, if I don't get those top two guys, I'm probably not going to be the guy who's going to pick, you know, even the ninth tight end off the board. I'm probably waiting to say I'm going value, value, value in other positions. And then I'm going to hope I don't get like, you know, killed on a run where suddenly the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th tight end go. You know, tier-based tier drafting, which kind of everybody uses for now, that, that group of tight ends you're talking about to me is in such the same tier. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a high volume of guys that I would be, like, happy starting. Um, you know, like even Jared Cook, uh, you know, when he played last year and came back from his injury, a uh, little touchdown dependent, but he, he was safe. He's listed as, like, 12th and 13th tight end, and – some leagues off the board, like he, that's okay on on a Saints offense. Um, you know, uh, I, I just I just think there's a, there's actually a lot of startable guys at that position. So, Mike, just from a strategy perspective, I'm not totally in love with Higby, despite how he looked at the end of the year and he was he was really hot the last five years. I think he could be good, but I but I, but I'm not gonna like chase him uh, in round six or seven or eight. I'm not doing that for a tight end. Mm-hmm. because of the volume of guys that I think are startable. So if I'm not going to get that benefit you talked about by getting an advantage off the league, the heck with it. I'm going to, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to wait till to round 10 round, you know, 12. And I'll try to get two of those guys in the eight through 16 range and, and play matchup or whatever, you know, what I mean? so, one of them. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you get a little more specific here. I'm going to give you three guys Matt. that I love. You tell me which one of the three you like the most. Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, Jonu Smith. You know, Smith is so funny because he's like this guy every year that, you know, fantasy magazines like Sleepers, he's always mentioned. And, you know, Delaney Walker is just getting older in Tennessee. And it was like, Smith's going to come on and it's, it's going to happen. So I just, I feel like I've been waiting on him so long that I'm not ready to, uh, you know, kind of give up on him, to be honest with you. I just think that, you know, it's a situation where, you know, Tannenhill really made that a, a pretty good offense last year. Um, so I, I think out of those three, he's the guy. Hurst is in an interesting position on a team, um, you know, certainly with a tight end produced. You know, he's changing teams. But I, I, I would still say I would take Smith out of, out of those three. But, again, if you look at that whole ranking list, five through 15, are those guys much worse or much better than, than any of the other guys? There's, mm-hmm. I, I'm just – I'm not in love with anybody, and I'm not, not really, like – anti anybody in that that mix of tight ends i just i want to get kelsey i want to get kittle in every league and if if i don't get them i'm probably waiting on a tight end i'm probably gonna be one of the last guys in the league to take a tight end and it's just strategy based on what what you see that's there for, for the year so smith would be my guy out of those three though okay have you done any real drafts besides mocks yet or all your leagues haven't drafted yet no we we i've done th- uh, two real drafts with okay. one definitely the big one uh, is coming Monday, and I think I have a, a second one Monday night. So I'm actually going to wind up doing four leagues probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did two yeah. two drafts. W- one was with you, yes, uh, Dynasty, which was interesting. Yes, I'm new to Dynasty this year, and like a true addict, I already have 11 Dynasty. Leagues. Let's get it. Let's go. So that's, that's, and that's, that's just Dynasty. That's not even redraft or best ball or DFS or you know, it's just. Oh, uh, babysit the kids. You let me know, man. So who's a guy uh, in, in the, in the first couple drafts uh, that you did that you didn't get that you think you might regret or, or end and, or who's a guy that you did get who you think, uh, I don't feel too confident in that pick. Right. I, I chased Vaughn uh, in both leagues, rookie running back Tampa Bay. And it's just, it's just, you know, Fournette just signed there. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, you know, damn, like, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Like does McCoy get cut? You know, is, is Ronald Jones, you know, Arians came out today and said, Jones is still going to be the starter. Um, that's a lot of running backs there, you know, so does, does McCoy, you know, get cut, which would be interesting because then he can land somewhere else. Um, but like, you know, I'm like, damn, Vaughn, I wound up with him in both leagues. And it's like, you know, dynasty, you could kind of live with it, right? But, uh, you know, taking him in a redraft doesn't seem to have much sensibility right now. So um, that's, that's the guy who where it's like, ah, I liked him a lot more, you know, a week ago than I like him now, um, you know, just based on situation, right? And then, uh, you know, the, the guy that, I, you know, I, I already kind of referenced him, but I, I'm just, I, I missed out on Moss in both leagues. And, you know, again, when you look at, we're, we're all kind of using the same information base at some point, right? You know, if you talk to a uh, hundred guys that are like me and you, right. That are in multiple leagues, you know, we're probably going to trace back to the same five or six sites. Right. So you just said it, like how much are we 
uh, under the bias of these, you know, media experts, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And these guys that are on ESPN and it's, like we said, it's an industry now and in NFL network. Um, you know, there's times where I'm like, you know, what the hell does this guy know? You know what I mean? Like, or, or what makes him such a fantasy expert where it gets interesting is when you see these guys, their body of work over the past five years. And there's websites that just do that now that yeah. are just ranking like experts in the fantasy field. There's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. This amount of information that exists on it is just it's remarkable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a long way from the daily news days in, in 1995. Absolutely. You know? Okay. Couple more. Couple more for you. Uh, uh, any rookie that we haven't mentioned yet, like a, like a Moss, uh, that you think they could they could they could really shine this year? I mean, again, well, you know, we haven't talked about Burrow much. You know, in Cincinnati, uh, you know, you look at what rookie quarterbacks have done. Uh, in the last couple of years, there's no longer that grace period of like, Oh, he's rookie quarterback. You know, and again, I'm out dating myself because it's been a while since that's been the case, but these, you know, you have rookie QBs that are entering the NFL, putting up great statistics. Uh, you know, Barrow's a guy, you know, you would think he would be able to do it. And one of your boys is, is a wide receiver. You've talked about there. Uh, you know, he's a rookie as well. You know, AJ green's getting older, you know, is Higgins going to be a guy who's going to step in there as a rookie and, and produce on a high level scale. Uh, I think it's possible. Right. And, and again, years ago, uh, you know, 20 years ago, rookie quarterback, rookie wide receivers, usually there's a grace period coming to league. It just doesn't exist anymore. These guys are good enough mm-hmm. right out of the gate to, uh, to produce. So um, those are kind of two guys I like as rookies, uh, you know, potentially on a Bengals team that, you know, might struggle, but that's sometimes that's good for quarterback and a wide receiver. If, if, if they're losing some games. Here's a little nugget on that. So I believe uh, the over-under for uh, Burroughs yardage is around 3,800. Yeah, that's, that's high, right? I would, I would say that. What does that tell you? That's- right. Only three, I think, it's, it's either ever or since like a long time ago, only three rookies have passed for over 3,800 yards. Right. Marino's got to be one. And, and think of the other two. Cam Newton was one. I yeah. forget. I forget who the, I, I don't think Marino was. I, I'm, I, I'm, I not, I'm not positive, but. It's yeah. fascinating. We haven't talked about Cam too, right? Like, you know, get, so and back on the barrel thing, I, I think, you know, it would be, I would always say 3,800 yards for rookie QB, not happening. Uh, that's almost an interesting number. Like there's a reason why Vegas has that number there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're not putting that number there for everybody to bet the under and, and win. So the fact that that number is so high tells you there's a lot of real thought that Burrow could be good mm-hmm. in year number one in terms of his stats. Um, but Cam Newton to me is fascinating, right? Cause you're talking about this guy who's this immense fantasy player, you know, only a couple years ago, wasn't that long ago, right? When, you know, they're in the Super Bowl and he's just the offense on, on that team. And now he winds up in New England and he, you know, he's just announced as a starting quarterback. Everybody knew he was going to be a starter. And he's got a lot to prove, right? So, you know, he's – where's he going off the board? 15 through 25. I mean, it's – I'm going to be really tough for me to pass on Cam Newton after the top 12 QBs are off the board. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm probably taking Cam – certainly over Kirk Cousins. I'm taking Cam over those guys that are in that range. And uh, I just that, – that whole New England situation, storyline in the NFL where you have Brady going to Tampa and you have Belichick now with a new quarterback that was an MVP-level quarterback and Cam Newton only a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. It's not like 
Um, you know, they're in a situation where they were, you we would have said months ago where it was looking like Stidham or, or Hoyer um, was going to be their star. Cam Newton, they have a guy who's an MVP player, elite caribou player. who has got a lot to prove. That's going to be fun to watch. And, and again, I would, I would say he's a, he's someone that it's going to be tough for me. If there's, you know, 12 or 13 QBs off the board, I don't see how I'm going to be passing on Cam in that, you know, 14, 15 range. I might even take him higher just because you have respect for what Belichick is as an all-time coach. And, and you say this is an MVP caliber quarterback with a lot to prove. You know, is he healthy? I don't know enough to say that Cam's certainly 100% or is, you know, he's, he's taking a beating. But uh, he's kind of a guy I'd probably say I'm buying on uh, mm-hmm. more, than, more than passing on. So I didn't ask you to prepare for this question, so yeah. uh, I apologize. Well, um, got a couple sleepers, a couple uh, deep late round folks that you're taking flyers on? Yeah, there, there's – all right. So I, I would say, you know, one of the guys, and I mentioned it before, is, was Gibson of, uh, uh, you know, Washington. Um, I just – look at where kind of he's going, and, and I just think he, he's worth taking a swing on. You know, Adrian Peterson, all-time great, but – can, can, can he keep doing it at the position? You know, he had, he had some times where he had injuries where, you know, maybe uh, yeah, it's just, it's insane. You have a running back that's his age that can still produce. So I, I think probably at some point what the, you know, the Washington football team will be passing the torch. And I think Gibson's a guy is worth a shot. Um, in terms of other sleepers, um, trying to think off the top of my head, who, who I like in terms of, uh, you know, running back guys. You know, we talked about Marlon Mack. I just, I think the opportunity is is there for him to be a steal. If there's 32 running backs off the board and he's still available, um, you know, I think he could be a guy. You know, if Jonathan Taylor sh- struggles, if there's a situation where the Colts aren't ready to just give him, you know, uh, all the touches early, Mack's proven he's been good. Um, I also think, again, far as deep sleepers go you know they have such a good offensive line that philip rivers he's getting you know getting old but but i would i would take a shot on him that's an interesting one uh yeah he's he's like right now he's like 18 19 off the board uh at quarterback but i just i think that you have a very good offensive mind that's a coach that i think is underrated and in, in, in indianapolis in terms of uh being being a real you know high level guy you know ty hilton's getting older but again his value is even interesting like I would probably say at some point I'm going to try to get a couple, couple shares of Rivers and, and T.Y., even though they're getting a little bit older at their position. Uh, I think there's still two guys that can do it, and, and a guy who's got a you know, right you know, offensive mind. Um, I'd probably be buying on those two at some point, right? You know, not, not necessarily chasing them, but saying, man, if I can get Hilton as the 25th wide receiver off the board, that's, you know, that, there's, there's a lot of potential there. You know, Hilton had such a down year last year, but, but again, you had some, some – you know, situation where luck retires, you know, Indianapolis wasn't, you know, completely set. And um, it was a tough year for, for the Colts, but I think, I think I'd be buying a little bit, you know, reasonable buyer on, on rivers and Hilton. Okay. Um, any spicy hot takes for us? Any flag planting that you're going to do? No, I, mean, I just, I just like, don't, I just feel like it's one of these situations where I just hope we're bumping into each other at some point, you know, on the phone and we're talking about this in week eight. And yeah. we're saying, you know, who are you going to play? And, and again, it's, you don't want to end it on like a dreary note, like on a pessimistic note. 
It's the real like, world. Just the, 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 the logic of pulling this off. You know, we, we, we know, right? You know, the NFL, billion dollar, and there's, there's so much money to be lost. And, hey, you know, Ash rules everything around us, right? <laughs> it sure does. Tank said, right? So it's, it's you know, there, there's obviously an, a need for a lot of people who want to make a lot of money to make this happen. Um, but, you know, the thought of 60, 60, 60 people having to make, you know, really good decisions all the time. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I mean, what these, the hockey guys are doing right now to win that trophy is awesome. What the basketball guys are doing on a nightly basis to try to win, you know, they're putting their families and stuff on hold and uh, trying to make it happen for team sport and to keep, mm. you know, fat guys like me happy watching it. It's, it's, it's insane. Right. So it's uh, you know, if, 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 if football, if we're talking about football week nine or 10, I'm going to be pretty happy. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say that. I, I will say if, if, if we, if I had to go kind of gun to head, Arizona is just a team right now where I'm, I'm buying on them to at least get to the conference championship. I think, I think you're going to see mm. them take a step. I just, I don't, I believe in, in, in what Murray is as a player. And I think he might take a step uh, similar to what Jackson did where, you know, what Jackson did last year was phenomenal MVP, you know, all that stuff. But he carried Baltimore to a different level. Uh, I, think, I think we might see Kyler be able to pull that off with Arizona. Um, and then uh, if, if you're asking me, I think the Saints m- might be a, a dangerous team. Kind of everything that went down with, with Breeze, they seem to have kind of pulled together, uh, you know, through, through all that. And, and I think, you know, Peyton's going to look to try to will them to, to have a, a better playoff ending than they had last year. So – those are two teams I'm buying in the NFC. Uh, tough to bet against Kansas City, man. You just feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. just feel like Reed and Mahomes found each other, and it's there's something special there. So I, I, it's gonna be tough for me to bet against KC. Maybe I'm going a little too offensive minded with those three picks, but um, mm-hmm. probably am. Yeah. But uh, those, those are three teams that I that I would say I'm liking going into it. Right on. And I hope uh, we are, man. I hope week 16 we're we're making yeah. Super Bowl decisions and and yes. And, uh, we got to make some calls. All right. One more thing. Yeah. Okay. I completely stole this yep. from the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. Yep. Okay. So, Scott Pianowski, if you're listening, if you're one of the four people that listen to this podcast, which I highly doubt, my apologies, but also this is an homage. So, we're going to have a draft. We're going to have a three-round draft. Yep. Okay. You're going to get to pick first. All right. Um, nah, not Snake. Uh, we'll go back and forth. Uh, there was a million things I wanted to draft uh, okay. tonight, but we're going to draft memorable fantasy football players. Oof. Either you got them at a great value that year and they won you the league, or they stunk, or it's an opponent's right. player that destroyed you, or right. missed out on somebody and draft, whatever memorable fantasy football players. All right. So it could be highs or lows. Highs or um, lows. You get first pick. To, to me, and again, this is just going back in the early days of, uh, of uh, you know, fantasy for me. You know, Mark Chamora was a guy I drafted in, in the first year. He was a tight end for Green Bay. And mm. he was a guy, again, we, we drafted a ton of rounds. And, uh, you know, I mentioned before, Isaac Bruce, who becomes this Hall of Fame receiver, this amazing player, uh, that first year, I think I drafted him in one of the last few rounds, but I also drafted Mark Chamora, I think, in the last round of the first draft. And 
He just had an amazing season. Uh, you know, it was kind of a tight end who came off the map. Suddenly, you know, had a stretch where he's like catching one or two touchdowns in every game. So he sticks out in the same kind of field as Isaac Bruce as they were like, they were the two picks that probably made me a fantasy football meathead uh, when I was 14 years old. So Chamora slash Bruce is my round one. I'm making two players, making up my okay. rules. Uh, that's, that's allowed. Uh, my round one is going to be, let's see here. Okay, so Juju's sophomore year. There it is. I draft him at pretty good value. Um, and it was one of those years your, where – your, your brother's a Steelers fan too, right? He is, yeah, yeah. So um, I draft him in our league, I think. Uh, yeah. And it's only – I mean, I've been playing for 20 years. It's only been these last, like, three years – that I've turned it into an obsession. Right. And I think that has a lot to do with the proliferation of stuff on podcasts and Twitter yeah. and that sort of thing. And my need to escape real life, like, yeah. you know, supposedly supposed to be writing a dissertation and all that. So, right, right. <laughs> so uh, I didn't do much research that year. Right. And I literally was just like, I heard this guy's good. His fucking name is Juju. Cool. I'm gonna draft him. He got a fucking cool name, you know. Bad, you know, bad juju, good juju. We're gonna, I'm gonna draft juju, and he and he blew up that year. And and I don't know where I placed that year, but uh, it was it was, it was yeah good fun yeah. No, and I think we we look at we look at those where you, you get locked to a player because of something silly, like oh they they won me the league one year, and then suddenly you know I mean, when I was a kid it was like I got to buy that guy's jersey now, mm-hmm. um, but but conversely. I remember, uh, you know, Trent Richardson, uh, you know, was a running back. Is this your round two uh, selection? Yeah, this is going to be my round two okay. selection. We're Get not the going first to pick in round two. Yeah, I, I would go Trent Richardson. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just one of these situations where I remember having arguments with a number of people. Um, you know, he had like – he had kind of an okay rookie year and, and going into year two it was like – it was such a strong fade. For, it was like, I, I'm not touching him in any draft. He's – He's just not going to be quick enough. And it was one of these rare moments where, where I kind of called it because he was a guy who kind of, you know, he, tough running back, but he had a lot of carries in college and stuff. And it kind of fell off a cliff. So it was one of those times where you picked the right way, right? You're, you said, I'm going to actively have all these fantasy teams and have 15 teams. And I'm not touching this guy on one, no matter where I draft, you know, snake draft. And, and I think that year he was, he was pretty, pretty consensus round one. And no matter where I picked in round one, I passed on him. And it was just – it was one of the few times where I, I, I hit it. You know what I mean? And it was just – I got to talk to everybody in every league about, uh, you know, how I'm like, man, you should sell on him. He's going to be terrible. And felt like an expert for, for one year on Trent Richardson. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, always, it's always good when, when yeah. you have those brief shining moments where That's you feel it. like an expert. That's gotta be, my next pick's got to be one where I, you know, I shit the bed. So, right. we'll definitely – So, my round two – is uh, Cam Newton um, in our league that, that we used to be in. Um, by the way, folks, um, Pat will sometimes say to me, in my big money league, comma, and I don't even ask how much money it is. Yeah. Because the league that we oh. used to be in together Crystal kicked my was ass. my big money league. <laughs> you know? like, like that's, that's, that was my ceiling. <laughs> yeah. All right, so in this league that we used to be in that was my big money league, um, I, I, I drafted Cam Newton the year that he just like went off. I, I, my memory is, I don't know if it was the Super Bowl year or MVP year or the, were those two the yeah. same year. I don't even fucking know. 
But like it was, he was like maybe the maybe the eighth or ninth quarterback off the board, and he wound up being like QB two or three, yeah. and like you he know. had a few elite years like that. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to think of which one. It, it, it was, yeah, I forget which year it was, but he like uh, that might have been one of the years where I did really well, or where like I yeah. made it to the finals or, or something like that. Okay, round three, the the shitty ones. Go ahead. Well, well, that's the last part of 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 our topic on that is like it, there's nothing better than coming in and talking to you on a Monday, and me being like four hundred and sixty points you rolled, and you being like, yeah, I didn't watch one speck of football, Pat. It was just, <laughs> so it was so it was kind of so unique, and like you're making these free agent moves and trades where I'm like, damn, you ripped that guy off, and it's it's just. So it's so unique. Two ends of the spectrum where I'm trying to watch every second of football and, you know, uh, you, you pulling it off and making money where you're just, like you said, smart enough to, to sift through the right data. Um, but, yeah, guy, guy who shit the bed, there was one year where uh, Kevin Cobb had uh, a really good finish of a year and he changed teams to become Arizona Cardinals starting quarterback. And it was one of these years where I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait on a quarterback. Everybody kind of does that once in a while. And you're like, I'm just going to kill value. I'm one of these guys, like, I'm going to always take best available. I'm not filling out my roster. Like, I'm not going to – if it's one quarterback, you know, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, I might take five wide receivers before I take a running back. Just, just the way I am. I'm just – I'm confident that I'll be able to make free agent moves. I'm just – if I feel like there's value at a position. So this one year I'm like, nah, I'm not taking a quarterback this round. Nah, I'm not taking a quarterback this round. Nah, I'm not going to take a quarterback. And I think I took him – my starting quarterback, and it was, it was in my big money league forward um, in round, like, 16, like, really low. Well, like, maybe a little higher than round 12, round 13. But I was like, now, nah, from 15 through 20, 24, all these QBs are the same. And he was utterly horrible. He was, he was, he was bad with Arizona. It was a, a, a grave mistake to wait that long on a quarterback. I was desperately – and I was targeted that year. It's like everyone's ripping me for that being my starter before I leave the draft room. And by week two, everyone knew I was desperate for a quarterback. So I was getting held to the irons by everybody. I had to overpay to get like a decent QB that year because I was so headstrong. And like I said, I'm going to have my, my Trent Richardson moment. And I went the other way and, and thought I was a little too smart for my own good. So lost a lot of money that year for it. Uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. My final selection um, is not a player that I uh, rostered. So I believe I passed on them in the draft, but towards the end of his career, one of the last few years that Michael Vick played, right? he had this like Nintendo video game game against, one, against somebody. I don't know. Like it was just a sick performance, you know, like – Highest QB week of the year, yeah. right? Whose team was he playing? Mine. On a week when my team scored really well. Right. And I was on the losing end of Michael Vick cheat code video game week of stats. Yeah, man. There's some guys that, that have done that. Nick Foles, when he was with the Eagles, I think he had a game like that where it was just like six TD passes and it was like automatic league winner, week winner. For, for whatever team, if they started them. Um, yeah, man, we remember those. That's, the th- that's what makes it fun. You yeah. remember those moments where you're like, I love this guy, and then I don't love him, and comes back and he bites you in the ass. And, and that happens, unfortunately, that happens more. You got, a guy, you got a guy a year too early or a year too late, 
it sucks, sticks with you, but. You know what? You know what's interesting about my fantasy football habit? As it's grown, it's allowed me, and I'm going to sound like I was a dick before this, but it's allowed me to realize like my hobby that I get all obsessive over is no better than somebody who watches The Bachelor. I I have no right to shit on somebody who watches The Bachelor every fucking week. When I'm sitting here with my lists of rankings of my players and nerds. my spreadsheets yeah. and all, like, no, we're nerds. Now you just have to, and, and it's, I've had this conversation with my wife quite a bit. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make commentary on some of her TV choices, and she'll just look at me like, "You, dude, you're a nerd. You're, you, you got notebooks of stats dedicated to your imaginary teams." And I'll just, <laughs> I'll kind of take the L and say, "You know, damn, she's a hundred percent right." So yeah. it's. It's an escape, bro. It's an escape. It's like we talked about in the beginning. It's, you know, it gives you something to kind of, uh, you know, get lost in. And, and um, yeah, man, I just, like I said, we're, if me and you were busting balls week 16 where I could come in and say something to you because the NFL pulled yeah. the season off, I'll, I'll be a happy guy. And probably a conversation for another day is um, I'm really in the last couple of years been pleased watching like the fantasy community, particularly the fantasy like professionals, not, you know, the, the Joe Schmoes playing in leagues that are, you know, trash talking and all that. Really try to be more uh, inclusive and, uh, and, and self-conscious about their industry being very white, being very male. Um, uh, it, I don't know if you've noticed, but the websites aren't using the words like auction and bid. Yeah. Own anymore. Yeah. You know? Changing some of the, Yeah. Right. So, it, you know, and that's a conversation for another day, but, uh, you know, and, and, and as is typical in these sorts of things, there's backlash against it, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'll say this, like, I, you know, at least from, from my scope of my leagues, and again, uh, you know, I, they're pretty diverse in the sense that, you know, there's a number of leagues I'm in where it's not what you just said. It's like, it's not that traditional 30 to 50 year old, old white guy, you know, out of shape guy who probably looks like me and probably fit that <laughs> perspective on some, some ways um, where there's a lot of different people and there's, you know, uh, people of all types and stuff that are playing and getting lost in the same kind of silliness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of with that. I'd like to see it expand because yeah. it's fun. It could be an addiction like anything else. That's fun. Of, of course. But, but it's, it's fun. And, and I, I'd like to see more people get in on that fun. Yeah. Yeah. We got to try to pull one off at, uh, at our place of perfect or a professional place. Maybe get some people who are not normally into it. Pull them in, Mr. Ford. Yes. That's okay. That's our mission this year. Fantasy football recruitment. There it is. All right. Well, uh, Pat, it's been uh, a pleasure talking about you and your, your love of sports and of course getting into a bit of a deep dive with fantasy football. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this tonight. I know uh, you're busy and your, your family had to make uh, arrangements to, to make this happen. And I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, man, no doubt. A lot of fun, bro. So that was my conversation with Pat, the sort of usual Brian talks to humans interview plus an exploration of the 2020 fantasy football landscape. This was one of the longer episodes that I've done, so I'll keep this brief. Uh, I'll 
tell you a little bit more about uh, what's been going on at the new BTTHHQ as I've moved this summer, but that's for another time. Go to BrianTalksToHumans.net for more information uh, and some links. If you click on contact on that website, you'll see a button where you can donate to the cause and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. It's good to be back. Good to put together another episode. That's all I got for now. Stay human. Stay human.